I think a lot of people could tell you and kind of regurgitate like, yeah, like I value like family and freedom. Um, but I think, you know, in under closer inspection, a lot of those values are not necessarily theirs, um, but rather what they were told was important by their family or by society or what was important to them 10 years ago, but they've changed and evolved and those values have evolved as well. Yo, 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 yo! How are all you silly little boys out there doing on this fantastic morning, midday, evening, whatever it may be for you? Probably not as awesome as I am because I'm always fist pumping, always bringing the heat to these silly little resistance gremlins that think they can take me down. But they can't, and they can't take you down either, because we're uniting together uh, with inspiration, with passion, with motivation uh, to dominate what we truly love in life and to create this platform for ourselves to to just sit down at the end of the day and look back and think that there is nothing that could have happened throughout the day that would have been better than it did. Uh, to be truly grateful for every single moment that we have, because we're not guaranteed the next, but to really get to that position where we can understand what it's like to think in such a positive manner that it could not have been a better day. Despite things that could have happened that most people would put a negative label on, to get to a position where we can look at everything that happened throughout a day and say, it could not have been any better, but it could have been worse. That's going to make all the difference in the world. We are doing that together. The mindset is insanely powerful, and psychology behind it all is, is crazy powerful. And I've got this fantastic guest on today, Valerie Growth, and she is one of the most inspirational people I've ever talked to. <laughs> like, She was at the World Domination Summit. She was actually selected for one of the incredible incredible foundation uh, scholarships to to help her fund the Ryan Banks Academy which she founded which is an amazing amazing project that she's doing up in Chicago uh, to help children and around these bad areas uh, have hope in life and and be able to find a path that will lead them down just something that they never thought was possible. And it's kind of the same thing as what I talk about with the Artsy Now Foundation, where I want to move it, except for in a different location. I'm really happy to have Valerie on because she's also an inspirational and motivational coach, and she's a speaker spitting all sorts of amazing inspiration. I I think that not everybody is just born um, in a position to where they can motivate other people. She might be one of those that was. Uh, but her background is extremely interesting, and she was in social work for a long time. And we get into how she has figured out this whole path to to making more meaning in her life, uh, the things that she always wanted to do in her path of getting there and actually doing them, 
and all of the lessons that she's learned in between then and now. Uh, the process of her growing up and, and being able to put all of these habits and tools that she has in place uh, to change the world in the way that she's doing it today. I think it's incredible. We talk about comfort zone. We talk about productivity. We talk about finding your vision. Uh, all sorts of cool tools. I hope that you enjoy this as much as I do. All the show notes, artsandout.com forward slash 111. And here we go. Come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody, let me hear that stinkity stinkity riggity diggity beat. Yeah, ho, let's get funky. Well, here we go now. Who wants to get a little bit funky out there? Who wants to get a little creative out there, huh? Yeah. Which one of you wants to get a little bit artsy now? Well, then get on with your bad selves, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you better get your clubs out and beat the stress gremlins right out of your mind because I've got a champion on today who's the Grandmaster Blaster superstar of Diggity Dominating Fear and turning those inconfident and stressful frowns upside down. She's the incredible mind and voice behind the Inspiration with Val podcast and a top-of-the-world motivational speaker, spitting inspiration to ease and develop the minds of amazing people everywhere. She's the CEO and founder of Valerie Growth LLC and the co-founder of Thrive. She's also the nonprofit founder and executive director of Ryan Banks Academy. And she's here to feed the motivational beast inside all your silly little bellies today. A skidamarinkity-dinkity-dink, a skidamarinkity-doo-hoo. Valerie Growth, you <laughs> are the... Entrepreneur now, what is going on? Hi, Heath. That was amazing. Definitely the best intro ever. And I've heard some good ones, but that was fantastic. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. When, when you first speechless. got on the call, you pumped me up immediately to hear inspiration <laughs> behind your voice. So Likewise. I do understand. Uh, I do understand how to feed the inspirational beast. And I'm glad that you're on here today because yeah. I think you might be even better than me at it. <laughs> I'm excited so, to be here. Yeah. So, so you run the popular inspiration with Val podcast, you, you're an inspirational p speaker, a personal coach, and you've done these incredible things. And I was at WDS, right. And you presented the Ryan Banks Academy and they got behind you on that, which is fantastic. So congratulations mm -hmm. on that. Thank you. Because that's huge. You know what I mean? Like when you're doing something meaningful with your life, which I stress, everybody tries to find. And I know it's not <clears throat> the easiest thing in the world to do. It takes a long time to get there. Um, mm -hmm. But when you finally do, and then you see the support of other people around you for doing that, how does that, I mean, that's got to feel pretty awesome, right? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was incredible. And like we were talking off air. So doing this school and building Ryan Banks Academy is always hugely important to me. For a long, long time, I knew one day I would do this. And I always wanted it to be the one most important kind of legacy leaving thing that I do in this world. But until last year, I always thought that it'll happen maybe one day down the future, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, if I have tons of time and tons of free 
um, you know, money sitting around to do this if I knew how to do it. Because first of all, you know, no one knows how to start a school. I have a background actually to be a principal. I don't know how the hell to start a school, to be totally honest. So no one really does. So the people who have done this before, it's just kind of about getting the right people around you and figuring things out. But I realized that I'll never be in that place where I have all of those answers. And so I just kind of decided to take a leap into the big unknown and make it happen. But what was so surreal to me about being there, um, and I guess I'm getting all deep with you fast, but you know, a lot of what I do with my clients is kind of around shifting your belief system and around confidence. And I always thought of myself as a really confident person, and I am, but at the same time, you know, because that dream was so big for me and it was always like, well, you know, I've done big things, but never anything of that magnitude and that scale. So the fact that I was there at WDS a year after kind of getting the idea last year um, and seeing how far things have come and then getting the grant and getting that public recognition, you know, it was really interesting how it kind of shifted even the way that I perceive myself, you know, and I think it kind of makes you look at yourself in a different way in terms of what's possible. And I always thought that I had a really good sense of self, but this just kind of took it to that next level. And that's what I think is so cool about doing those things that seem impossible. Um, like for me, it's that kind of started for me a long time ago when I ran my first marathon, and that's another story. But I think it's doing those things that are not kind of within the realm of being realistic. You know, like doing realistic goals is great for your sense of self and your confidence and self-worth. Um, but when you do things that kind of seem totally outside that comfort zone and that box of what you're used to and what it truly seems to be impossible, that's when I think you just have those huge, huge shifts in perception. I mean, you really put, you can really put that on every little accomplishment you make, they kind of build up and build up and build up. Mm -hmm. And you've gotten to this point now where you, you, you get over that hump and yeah, you, you look back and you're like, wow, the self-reflection and the growth is just magical. And every yeah. day I try to do something like that, like right to, to push myself farther in a direction that I think isn't possible. And you mentioned the marathon thing. There was a time when I couldn't stand up and run <laughs> like yeah, me too. Feet. Right. And then I got into those. And that was really the yeah. first time I was like, oh my gosh, I can do things that people, because other people tell you that it's not possible too, right? Mm -hmm. um, it could be your family. It could be your closest friends. There's going to be resistance around you everywhere oh, yeah. mm -hmm. all the time. But when you learn how to identify with it, uh, you can you can get past it. And, and there are people out there that are, that are going to be on your side too. So that's awesome. So you said that you had this idea to do Ryan Banks for a long time. How long exactly are you talking about? Did you have like a defined, yeah. um, like was it that exact idea or did it something that progressed over time and into this? Uh, it was pretty much the exact idea for a long time. So the backstory, before I worked as a coach, I worked as a school therapist in the inner city schools in Chicago. So I worked with a lot of children and teens and families um, dealing with really rough situations. So families going through abuse and neglect and poverty and hunger and violence. A lot of um, individuals who were suicidal and homicidal, um, a lot of psychiatric issues. And... I, you know, I saw right away that what we were doing in the current system wasn't working to provide everyone with all the support that they needed from a social emotional level. Um, and so many of the people that I worked with, we'd make, you know, I, I just poured my heart and soul into working with them and go above and beyond. And you generally wouldn't see progress. And then one day you'd see a little bit of progress and feel amazing. And then the next day they'd come back to school after being at home and everything was reversed. So, you know, there was a lot of situations where um, kids just didn't have a great supportive family environment. And 
a lot of trauma would occur at home that would kind of really stop them from doing well on an academic level. And then there were also a lot of families who would do a great job or do their very best, um, but just kind of the situation around them and their external environment was that conducive for their success. For example, the school is being named after one of my former students who was shot and killed a few years ago when he was 12 years old. So there's that subset of kids too who, you know, I mean, their life is at danger. And there's a lot of kids here in Chicago where that's their mentality is very much one of being realistic. You know, I'm 12 years old and I know I'm not going to live to be 18 or I don't think I'm going to. So I'm not very devoted to my schoolwork and to achieving an education right now because I know that's not going to be where I'm going to be. I'm never going to be 30 years old working in a a great office job. You know, I'm going to be lucky to live till I'm 20 years old. So I'm just going to kind of do what I need to do to survive right now. So I saw a very huge need for a long time and always wanted to build a boarding school more specifically. But again, about a year ago at WDS um, is kind of when I got the first kick to actually go ahead and do that. That's incredible. I mean, and that's so deep too, if you think about Chicago's a big area, right? And you have pockets Mm -hmm. that this is, this is true. I mean, this is real. And I spend a lot of time in, so Eastern Kentucky, not near, you know, there's, this is like kind of, I mean, there's not much out there, but the same situation arises when I, I I go to every little county and these get these little mountain counties, and these kids you can talk to them and they usually don't a lot of them don't go all the way through high school. Some of them don't even go into high school. Uh, they have this mindset that they can't do anything else. The coal factories have mm-hmm. shut down. None of their parents work. Nobody else works. They think the world's against them. Mm-hmm. A lot of meth, a lot of Oxycontin. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's the most depressing thing ever because you see them and you realize that they have no dreams or asp- aspirations. They can't leave their towns because mm-hmm. they've been told by their parents that there's nothing else out there that's working. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're gonna, there's Taliban everywhere. That's what they say. Uh, the CNN is going to get you. Those are like the mm-hmm. types of quotes you actually yeah. hear. Yeah. And so when you come in and do something like, I mean, if this is something you're doing in Chicago and, and ideally it could grow and you could maybe possibly get these other places as well. But it's, I see such a big need for like, it's, it's amazing and magical that you're doing this. And I feel like, I feel like I just want to give you the biggest high five ever. Yeah, thank you. And you're, you're right about kind of being isolated. That's a big part of it. Um, and you're talking about rural Kentucky. So we're here in an urban place. But a lot of the kids that I worked with were literally a mile or two from downtown Chicago, which is, if you've been here, is a yeah. wonderful place to be. I love downtown. It's gorgeous. There's the lake. Yeah, awesome. You know, there's the Sears Tower. There's beautiful parks and museums and awesome restaurants and shopping. And people come from all around the world to come downtown Chicago. But these kids have never been there, never experienced that. So when all you know is just, you know, a, a block or two circumference around your house, um, and there's there's not a lot going on, you know. I mean, the, the city of Chicago doesn't put a lot of time and attention and money into beautifying those areas. So whereas my block of the world, I'm lucky, you know, there's flowers and trees and they take care of it. That doesn't happen there. Um, and, you know, as entrepreneurs, we understand the importance of, you know, going to things like WDS and being around the right people and inspirational places and things and events. You know, those kids are just kind of living on the opposite end of the spectrum, So it's just kind of, you know, imagining if you took away all the things that inspire you about your world and then trying to get out of a really difficult situation and being in that cycle of poverty, it's, it's tough, you know, and I firmly believe that I've been able to do good things in my life and achieve 
um, the things that I had because I had a great family support system and went to a good school and, um, you know, had that environment to be conducive for my success. But, you know, for those kids, things seem really hopeless. And like you said, it's kind of that growth versus fixed mindset piece. If that's all you know and people tell you that you're worthless and won't amount to anything or you've never seen someone who's gone to college, it's really, really, really difficult to break that. That's incredible. What, what, what was your thought process growing up? I mean, what, what made you want to help people like this? And when did you discover that you had this brilliant zest or this you know, beautiful energy that allowed you to develop into the you know, world-changing teacher that you are today? Oh, thank you for your kind words. You know, when I think back to when I was a little kid, I wanted to be an entrepreneur when I was very young. So that was one of my first memories is I, I was just so into like inventing things and creating things and being innovative. And then, you know, I think life happened. And first of all, kind of one place where things fell off is, you know, I just, I lost a lot of my confidence as a lot of kids do, especially girls, I think, when you become a teenager. And so middle school and high school, you know, just didn't believe in myself as much and more focused on boys and friends and peer pressure and all those things that looking back are so ridiculous, right? Yeah. Um, But, you know, I, I got too caught up in all that. And then, I went to college, initially wanted to study business because I still had that kind of entrepreneur thing in me. And then I realized that business school is not about being an entrepreneur. It's about kind of spreadsheets and, you know, buttoned up professors. And it's nothing about innovation and creativity. So I I, I dropped out of business school um, and I studied psychology and really enjoyed psychology and just kind of learning about the mind and human behavior and why we do the things that we do. And I loved that. And then... Um, went to grad school. My first master's was in social work to um, kind of delve more into that. And I think where that came from in me, um, my parents were in the Peace Corps. They spent time in Morocco for a few years in the Peace Corps. And it was always very much kind of ingrained in me to get back and to help people. Um, but I think I wouldn't have stuck with that if I didn't just really enjoy it. So I always loved doing that. And it was kind of I think you kind of feel like it's a calling in some ways, kind of like being a, you know in the priesthood or being a teacher. I think most social workers kind of feel like you're kind of called to do that. Um, and, you know, there's downsides to that too because you don't make a lot of money as a social worker and, you, you know, not always very respected. Um, you know, you're working out of offices that are, you know, in the, the garbage room <laughs> in the building. So there was definitely challenges to that. And then... I kind of fell into coaching for various reasons, um, but you know, a big part of it is you still get to to have that immense satisfaction from helping people, um, but in a, a different way that I can talk about. But at what point <laughs> do you think that you felt like comfortable coaching others or teaching others? Because I think there's a big, there's a lot of people out there who have all this amazing knowledge and they have these talents and superpowers to to do incredible things in the world yeah. and they could teach people, but they, for some reason, stop at that wall. Like who am I to coach somebody else? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not that good. Like, and I know it's a really comfortable, like uncomfortable battle, but once you get over yeah. it, you see, okay, you see the changes that you're making in other people's lives. And, and the same thing with doing podcasts or people that have big blogs or people who write and others learn from uh, it, It's like, like honorary quarter put in that book. Uh, you can, you can light one candle and, and light the rest of the worlds with the same candle, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's a big, yeah. it's a big thing that can actually happen. So like for you, do you, was that, was that a long process to get to that comfort zone where you decided to do that or? Uh, yeah, I, I would say so because I think, you know, I look at what I do as a coach and what I used to do as a social worker and a therapist kind of as the same 
combined process. Um, A lot of what I do as a coach integrates a lot of those therapeutic techniques. And no, what I do is legally not therapy. It's very different. Um, But I think for me, focusing on my client's mindset and their social emotional health is really important. Um, And that's why I think I'm really good at being a coach versus, you know, there are coaches out there who just think they're really good at giving advice. So they're going to be coach. Um, and I take it very, very seriously to be in someone's mind and in their, you know, in their world um, and to dig into kind of their past and their feelings and thoughts and beliefs. Um, so on the one hand, you know, I do think in order to be an actual coach in this profession, you have to take it seriously. Um, you know, if you don't have that kind of background, go to a school to be a coach, um, take the training. But on the other hand, I think you're right. I think there's way too many people who are held back a lot longer than they need to be. And you know, the the best advice that I think I think of is that there's always people who are going to be a few steps behind you who you can really kind of coach them and teach them and help them. You know, I think it's easy to think, well, what do I know? You know, I'm not the expert in the world. I'm not the best out there. You know, I still have my own problems. How can I help someone else? But there's always someone where you're kind of in that expert role that, that, you know, that they can look up to in some ways. Um, I, I heard a girl talking about, I think it was something like Pinterest or something on a podcast. And she was saying how she became this Pinterest expert. Um, and someone told her to never underestimate how much handholding someone needs. And I tell a lot of my clients that when they're starting out too, and they want to get into coaching and teaching and putting together courses, because I think it's also the place of whatever we're really good at, we think is really easy for everyone else. And I'm so guilty of that. You know, for me, coaching is like this natural process, like breathing, and it feels so easy that when I started, it was very much like, how do I get paid for this? You know, I love this. This is what I would do for fun. I'd pay someone to coach them. You know, how can they pay me for this process? Um, And I think there's this idea that work has to be hard and work has to be tireless and not enjoyable. Um, And I, I think you have to realize that just because you're really good at something doesn't mean that there's not someone else out there that who can really benefit from your help, if that makes sense. I think we just kind of underestimate our own skills because we're so used to that. Um, and they feel so natural to us that we kind of assume that everyone else knows what we know, but that's not true. Yeah. And enthusiasm is infectious when you, when you are able to pump somebody up like that Mm -hmm. and then you see them, it's a ripple effect, you know, they go out and do the same thing to somebody else. And it's incredible the kind of waves it can make in, in the energy of the world. So, when, so when you're like, if you get a new client, maybe who's a little bit confused, maybe a little depressed, because there's a lot of people out there that have, I mean, we all go through those kinds of struggles mm-hmm. at some point and they have the ambition. You can see it in them, but yeah. they just aren't sure how to get the confidence and the game plan together to kind of attack the process of creating their dreams. What do you, what do you typically do when you start out with them as far as working through with them to get them kickstarted? Like what's, what's kind of the ideal timeline like after that? Yeah, it's a great question. And a lot of what I do is very personalized. So it's very different depending on the individual client. Yeah. Um, but overall, there's definitely a lot of the same processes that we go through. So one of the first things that I do with almost all my initial clients is we do a lot of work around getting clear on their core values. And, you know, I know there's a lot of exercises out there on the internet about how to find your values. We delve into it a lot deeper than that. And part of the reason why I think that's so important is because I see a lot of people getting really stuck because they're not living in alignment with those correct core values that are true for them. I think a lot of people could tell you and kind of regurgitate like, yeah, like I value like family and freedom, 
Um, but I think, you know, in under closer inspection, a lot of those values are not necessarily theirs, um, but rather what they were told was important by their family or by society or what was important to them 10 years ago, but they've changed and evolved and those values have evolved as well. Yeah, and true. I've seen so really many clients. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a totally different person than I was 10 years ago in a million different ways. Right. Yeah. Um, and a lot of us are especially kind of, you know, in that time frame between like 20 and 30 and 30 and 40, a lot of big things change. Um, and so people have come to me and so many of my clients who have been feeling really stuck um, it's because they've made big choices in their life that are kind of, you know, against those core values. They've gotten married because they feel like they should or that was kind of what was impressed upon them by their family, um, taken the wrong job, gone back to school to get an MBA because, you know, they felt like that was kind of the next big step and they had to kind of impress people. And um, I think a lot of people do things like that, you know, and it sounds kind of silly, but we've all done things for the wrong reasons, right? Like gone out with the wrong person or gone to the wrong college or taken the wrong job. Um, and I think a lot of it is because we just don't really quite understand our core values and just even more broad than that, just don't really understand ourselves. And that might sound kind of crazy, but I think the majority of people don't quite get in touch with themselves and aren't very introspective to know who they are and what's so important to them. So that's always a big foundational step um, is the values piece and then just kind of getting to know yourself on a deeper level because I think a lot of people – don't do that. And that's where they get really tripped up. Yeah. I think the, I think bringing the psychology into the coaching thing is huge. My, my coach, she, she also has a background in psychology and it, I, at first I would have been like, you know, that typical, you know, like 30 year old American white male and like, Oh, psychology, you know, what a bunch of <laughs> And she like shows me these things and she starts giving me questionnaires and stuff to fill out like not like hard homework stuff, but like to learn mm -hmm. about myself, things that were in my core values that I wasn't really aware of. Yeah. And the way that she was able to put this stuff together and then show me where my strengths were and the areas that I needed to work on and things like that. Like it's incredible how you can use those tools to kind of launch other areas of your life that you're wanting to mm -hmm. improve. Um, so that's really neat that, that, yeah. that you have that back. Do you have, I mean, I don't I hope you don't mind me asking, do you have a coach yourself? I do. Absolutely. It's so important for coaches to have coaches. Yeah, I think the, the analogy that I always say is that you can't see the label of the jar that you're in. And, you know, I think of myself as someone who's very introspective, very emotionally in tune with myself, um, maybe compared to most people. Um, but there's still layers of myself that I, I can't see objectively like someone else can. So it is valuable to have a coach. Um even if you have great people in your life who support you, they're always going to have their own agenda. And so having a coach to help you and be totally focused on you and your success, I think is so important. Um, and everyone, coaches and therapists and, you know, experts, whatever, everyone has their own issues. I mean, everyone has these belief systems that are not factual that are getting in the way of them getting to where they need to be. That's just kind of how the crazy human brain is wired for whatever reason. So, yeah, I think everyone needs to have a coach. And when you look at a lot of people who are immensely successful, they all have a coach for that reason. I think it's becoming a lot more popular and accepted. Um, even um, Eric Schmidt, the CEO of Google, um, has a famous line where he says, everyone needs a coach. 
And so, you know, cl clearly Eric Schmidt, CEO of Google, is doing a lot of things right. <laughs> clearly he's a smart guy. He's successful. So, you know, one could say, why does he need a coach? He's doing pretty well. But he knows that he can't go to the next level without someone to help him. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. I was going to say, like, I mean, there's a lot of things that I target throughout my day or if I'm helping somebody else that I, that I aim to target uh, mindset, habits, dance moves, you know, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. something awesome worth fishing. <laughs> are, there, are there like when you look at uh, I know everybody's different when you look at the kind of array of people that you deal with, do you see any commonalities between uh, habits or principles that you put in place that you think mm -hmm. that really work most of the time for people? It could just be daily habits, to be honest, because I'm a huge freak yeah. with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> daily habits are really important. Uh, a big thing I talk about is, you know, we do a lot of work around habit assessment and structuring their day for their success. Um, I'm really big on having a really solid morning power routine. So for me, that includes some meditation, some visualization, um, some journaling. Um, I think that's really, really important. 100% of my clients meditate. I don't force them to, but I always suggest it and talk about it, and they always eventually love it. So incredible. I was just meditating before <laughs> this. I was as well, yeah. Doing like the, I do the mirror. I mean, I'm a big fan of Hal Elrod, and I do the whole miracle morning thing, but it's all the yeah. same principles in there, you know, meditation. Reading, writing. I placed. Mm -hmm. I, I threw the guitar in there, which has been incredible too. So, yeah, and you know, a, a big part of my coaching too is taking a holistic view of my clients' lives. So, all of the the pieces of our life tie together. You know, career, health, mindset, etc. And so, a lot of clients come to me with a specific idea in mind, like, okay, I want you to help me grow my business, um, and I, I'm I'm happy to do that. Um, but I don't bill myself as a business coach. And I, I did yeah. for a while. I did a lot of that work. Um, but, you know, it is it is more kind of your whole life as all these different pieces that fit together. So even if your goal is to build your business, like we're going to talk about your mindset a lot. <laughs> we're going to talk about your relationships and your physical health and your environment um, because all those pieces are just so interconnected. And I think it's really important to not neglect certain parts of your life where eventually things kind of topple down. So that's a big part of it is just looking at all the parts of your life, um, even if they don't seem to be connected to that one main goal that you might have. And another main thing is just a lot of my clients come to me and they've spent a lot of time not focusing on their own needs. Um, a lot of younger people have put their career first um, and, you know, trying to get into a relationship and not themselves. A lot of my older clients, I work with a lot of um, middle-aged women, and they have come to me and said, you know, I have no idea who I am anymore because I have put my family first and raising my kids and my husband, and I've done this job that I didn't like because it kind of worked with my schedule. Um, and so it's always a big piece for me to build in some self-care and just learn how to prioritize yourself and put yourself first, yes. which sounds kind of simplistic, but it's got to be there. It's got to be there. And to me, when, it, when I look at the individuals who I know – who are very successful, especially those who are entrepreneurs and have built a business, you know, those who prioritize self-care and make time for that are going to be successful versus those who don't eventually burn out and just kind of, you know, they can't hack it um, because they're, they're too hard and you can work hard for a very long time, but not forever. It's not sustainable. So I think that's hugely important. No, I, yeah, it's, it's incredible. I mean, just 
accessing your mind. The meditation thing is, is massive for me. Yeah. And the, the whole morning routine, the, the whole idea of building these habits and putting these pieces in place, the health, <clears throat> the holistic view, mm-hmm. it's all insanely powerful. And like UJ Ramdas, I had him on, uh, the five-minute journal hmm. guy. I don't know if you've ever used one yeah. of those, but they're incredible. <laughs> and he's a psychology guy too. And man, that episode's, if you guys want to list, get into depth about mindset and, and that kind of stuff, go back and listen to that episode because it's incredible. Uh, but just gratitude and, and being able to put all those pieces in place. like, I, And that kind of leads you to, to you know, the big bad stress gremlins, yeah. which always want to drop big <clears throat> steamy piles of poo all over the place, right? <laughs> and like there, there's so many different angles that you can approach this. Obviously being in good health, having a good mindset and being able to prioritize your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I wrote, I sat down one day and wrote like 70 different things that I do that I have learned over the past year or two in gear towards prioritizing my life to mm-hmm. be able to accomplish a vision. And every single one of those things may be tiny, but together they can move mountains. Yeah. And like for, for you, what have you seen with the ways that people have been able to distress and, and focus more on kind of gratitude and all the amazing, mm-hmm. beautiful things in life so that they can prioritize and kind of hit those meanings? Have you run in with that as far as, um, and you've probably experienced it yourself with battling stress, but maybe some things that that people do to de-stress um and focus more Mm -hmm. well you mentioned a list and i think you mean a different kind of list that i'm going to refer to um but actually i do have my clients make a list as, as one of the things i would recommend is i think what i commonly see is that when things are going really really well we kind of pull back on self-care because we think oh we don't really need this as much i don't need these healthy habits i don't need to meditate and journal and visualize because things are going great and also when things start to go poorly and we're faced with big stressful situations that self-care is the first thing to go when it needs to be the foundation and we have to kind of almost be in a place where we do more of that during those tough times um, so I have my clients make a list of all of those different things that are really nourishing for them and to make that an all-encompassing list. So everything from, you know, go for a run to journal, to call a friend, to, you know, take a bubble bath or listen to the Beatles <laughs> for me, you know, whatever it is. And then, and I do this too, because I think, you know, when you have those stressful moments, the last thing you want to do is kind of do something good for yourself, even though it would make sense that you should. And so for me, I make myself go through that list one by one. So I might go for a run and I still feel upset. So then I go to the next thing and the next thing until I start to feel better. Um, And it's also important to keep in mind. So, you know, maybe 10 years ago, people would say things like, well, go for a run. It'll give you some endorphins, you know, go talk to someone. Um, But it's actually really important to try and match you know, the the way that you're feeling to a certain kind of self-care strategy. So, for example, you know, if you're feeling sad um, and that's more of like um, kind of a cognitive process, going for a run is going to be kind of a physical um, response, but not necessarily as helpful to you as, you know, journaling or calling someone to talk. So it's important to make sure that that list um, includes a lot of different kinds of self-care and then trying to match um how you're feeling to those different techniques. And actually, I have a list of all those different things that you can do. And so if anyone wants to um, reach out to me, I'm happy to send you that list because it's uh, probably easier to show you than to tell you over the podcast. Um, But that's kind of new research is showing us that that works better than just kind of um, a blanket, you know, go for a run because it's good for you, which might help. But, you know, depending on how you're feeling and how you're, um, you know, suffering in certain ways, if it's, you know, not necessarily going to be the best response. 
Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, I I definitely just take the bubble bath with the rubber duckies and <laughs> the floaties, and then yeah. afterwards I just get out. And if it's if it's a really bad day, I just go outside and laugh hysterically like a madman until uh, ah, until I don't it all comes back. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to try that out. To each to each his own. <laughs> but no, that that's amazing. And I've done something kind of similar. Where I've I've I love your idea, so I'm going to do that for sure. But I've taken that and also I've done it for abundance of things that I have to be more grateful. Yeah. Right. And so I write down all these amazing things that I have and I have a list. So whenever I feel like I'm overwhelmed or down, I can look at this list and say, Oh my gosh, like these things make me feel better. And you start to realize it now combining the two would be, you know, super, super fist pumps there. So. Yeah. And I, I just read a good book kind of in relation to the gratitude piece. And I know we've all heard about gratitude journals and why it's so important. And I think you know, one thing that I've read in a lot of research is that you have to find what works for you and that a lot of gratitude practices kind of lose their luster after a while and that we get too um, kind of into that habit and routine that it doesn't actually um, ha- give us the same level of effectiveness and gratitude and, and mindfulness. So it's important to shake things up when it comes to gratitude. Uh, but I just read a really good book that I recommend called 29 Gifts where um, the author talks about essentially you're giving um, different levels of gifts of gratitude for 29 days. But I took on that practice myself recently, and I've felt like I've always focused on gratitude, but doing this particular practice and technique for 29 days, um, it did bring a lot of value to my life. Um, so it's an interesting book if anyone wants Ooh, to I'm check it out. I'm going to put the link in the show notes for yeah. sure. I, this, so Merge, if you're listening – you need to put this link in the show notes. Don't let me down here. <laughs> That's my VA. She's amazing. Everybody. Um, awesome. So like that, I have not heard about that book and that sounds incredible. It's like an actionable book. I love that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. Low fluff, things that you can actually do to make transitions. So cool. Yeah. I'll put that, I'll put that in the show notes. It, it'll be at artsynow.com forward slash 111. And I hope I'm right on that number there. Va- <laughs> Valerie, if you had to battle Godzilla... How do you think you would use your creativity or your talents to defeat that? Oh my gosh! (laughs) Oh my gosh! Um, Wasn't prepared for that one. Um, (laughs) Trying to think of a great answer here. Um, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is not necessarily like a coach's answer, if that's what you're looking for. But, you know, I live in downtown Chicago, so I think I just try and like throw him off and get him like lost in the midst of all the big high rises and just try to like throw him off my case. Um, He's pretty pretty destructive in big cities, Valerie. That's true. (laughs) Um, You know, then maybe I'd sit him down and talk to him about why he feels the need to be destructive to himself and others. You know, Um, what are the limiting beliefs getting in the way and how can we build in some of that self-care and uh, gratitude for what is going well in his life to focus on the positive? Yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of a good candidate for Ryan Bakes Academy, if you think about it. You think so? He could be. Yeah. You might be able to put him in the boarding school and, and help him out, turn him into an angel. <laughs> Give him some meaning, That's right? True. That's true. If it works for Godzilla, it works for anyone else. Yeah. Well, cool. I, I really appreciate you coming on. You're amazing. Uh, you're pumping everybody up for sure. Your enthusiasm is unbelievable. And I definitely look forward to, to following you from here on out and your progress with that. So congrats again on Ryan Banks Academy. Where can everybody find you, get in contact with you if they want to? 
Yeah, I'd love to talk to anyone listening. I'm happy to ch- chat via email over the phone. Um, my website is ValerieGrowth.com, which is V-A-L-E-R-I-E-G-R-O-T-H. There's no W. And you're also welcome to email me, which is Val at ValerieGrowth.com. And I'm all over tw- Twitter and Instagram at the same handle, at ValerieGrowth. So definitely come find me. I'd love to chat further. Awesome. Everybody out there, remember, do something crazy. Get out of your comfort zone. If you need to go over to the next door neighbor's house and give them a high five every single morning, go for it. As long as they're not violent people. But hey, your enthusiasm could change them. Awesome. Uh, Believe in yourself. Remember that every day is absolutely a bonus round. So slow down and enjoy something so beautiful. Break the rules, but first break the rulers. And Valerie, thank you so much for being on this show. And I hope that you can keep it stickity stinkity rinkity dinkity funky all day long and give some high fives for me to everybody around. (laughs) Definitely. Thank you so much. It was great being here. Cool. There you have it. Hi-ho, hi-ho. Off to a motivational day you go. Yeah, I know. I know. She's awesome. Incredible interview. Definitely try to connect with her if possible because she is one of the friendliest people I've ever met. Just absolutely, like, lights you up. And that's why she does what she does, and it's amazing. I am getting ready to make a trip across the country with Lindsay. She's moving out to Washington. you got an amazing position out there doing a little coaching. Uh, and I'm really pumped about it, so... Next Monday and Thursday, I probably will not be releasing an episode. I don't have anything in the buffer because I've changed the way I do things. I like to do them on the spot now. I don't like to plan. (laughs) As bad as that sounds, I just feel that it's more of a personal preference for me to do things and wing them when I feel like doing them. And it's fitting into my schedule better. And I feel like I can relate more to the moment, and so you're not hearing stuff that I'm kind of going through two months after the fact, uh, as was the case before when we recorded episodes and buffered them. So if you have any questions while I'm gone, definitely hit me up on the Twitter sphere at HB underscore Armstrong or via email at create at I'm going to be looking for music to play in the background of some of my conversations and shows and episodes. If you're a musician or you know anybody who is, Uh, Please send me your music so I can put that in there. Uh, That'd be awesome. Like I really want someone to collaborate with there. Uh, I have a couple friends who do shows and and they've got some cool stuff going on with the music and I really dig it, especially on the little creative quickies. I'd like to be able to do that. So let me know if you can help me out there and then let me know if I can help you with anything. I'll be traveling. I'll be putting pictures up on Instagram, on Twitter. Check it out. Uh, We only live once, right? So enjoy everything you can. We'll be staying at campsites all the way out there. It's a 32-hour drive, but hopefully it's going to take us about four or five days because we want to go slow and enjoy the beauty of the beautiful Northwest United States. Can you enjoy the beauty of the beautiful? I think so. Everybody have a good one. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Archapreneur Now. For all the show notes, it's artsynow.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, email me at create at artsynow.com or on Twitter at HB underscore Armstrong. The music? Well, that's shaky feeling. Check them out. Ventura, California. Ta-ta!
Keep it funky.